It is the last um, Sunday of 23, in case you missed that. And um, want to give, as we're giving thanks to, to God for all he's doing for us, also want to give thanks to our, on, our hidden heroes who make things take along. So um, on behalf of the team, thank you to David, thank you to John, on behalf of the guys who do all the work back there so that we don't have to worry about sound Paul in the room as well. So let's give them a bit of a hand. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It is good to just do your thing here and not have to worry about the other bits. And um, I, I was thinking about that this morning because I'm going to embarrass Em a little bit. I, didn't, I was thinking, should I, take her, should I ask permission before I give this example? I didn't. So... <laughs> Um, in your New Year's Eve prayers, pray, pray for me just in case. Um, but before, before, we, before we joined you here, as you know, we were at Balaam. And one of the things that M did at Balaam, which preceded me, you know, life before Andy, my goodness, what was that like? Um, and one of the things that she did was she, she looked after the sounds at Balaam Baptist and M knew, she knew what she was doing. She was a capable, safe pair of hands. She had the experience. This is not me volunteering M for the sounds. <laughs> but, but she was very good at what she did. She knew, how, she knew how, how it worked. She knew how to troubleshoot when it went wrong. Um, she knew what she was doing. She was a safe pair of hands. Um, and you could rely on her when she was the one back there. More recently, she got a young protege. Um, for the sake of this sermon, I'll call him Duke. Duke was a lovely guy. I love Duke, but Duke was not Emma in terms of, well, he wasn't as pretty as Emma, obviously, but, <laughs> but he wasn't Emma either in terms of his reliability on the sound system. Um, for starters, Duke may not show up until 10 minutes after the service has started, which is not quite helpful. But also, Duke had this thing where he, the, the kind of sounds that he wanted to hear were not usually helpful to the rest of the congregation or the people in front. And so it would usually happen that if you were doing something on a Sunday and you walked in, and you asked me and you said to me, you said, Andy, who's on sound today? If I said Emma, there would be a relief. Ah, oh, Emma is on sound. She's a safe pair of hands. She knows what she's doing. Okay, we don't need to worry about that. We can just do what we're doing. But if you came up to me and they said, Andy, who's on sound today? And I said, Duke. And he's not here, by the way. There would be... <laughs> There would be panic all around because they would be like, oh, they're okay. Now, we don't just have to worry about the singing. We have to also worry about the sound. And why am I giving this um, example, of, apart from to whisper sweet nothings to my wife? Why am I giving this example? Because I think this is what Jesus is trying to explain and get to his people in Matthew 6. You know, he's saying to them, when you ask the question, 
who is responsible for the success of the story that you're in? When you ask yourself the question, who's responsible, the journey that you're in right now, it's been a success or failure. It's going well or going badly. Who's responsible? Jesus says that for those who believe in him, our heavenly father is the one who is responsible. And because he is a safe pair of hands, because he knows what he's doing, because he's tried and tested, you can trust him. You don't need to worry. He said, those who worry are those who, when they ask the question, who does the success of this story depend on? And when the answer is, well, it depends on me, or it depends on some version of Duke, then he says, yeah, then you will be anxious. Then you would worry. But he says, if it depends on our heavenly father, then don't worry. Then don't be anxious. And that's the message that Jesus tries to get to, not just those he's speaking to then, but to all who believe in him. If the answer to the question, who is responsible, is your heavenly father, then breathe. You can put down the burden. It reminds me of, a, of an advice that David gives to his son, Solomon. Solomon is about to take on this massive responsibility of being king of Israel. Solomon is about to take on this big responsibility of building God's temple. He's looking at what lies ahead of him, and it looks pretty scary. And so David is giving him, David gives him this advice. He says, be strong, be courageous, and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. I love how David says, the Lord God, my God, is with you. It's like David is saying, this is a God that I know. This God can be trusted. He's with you. Do not be afraid. Go confidently into what lies ahead. And I think this is the same words that Jesus will say to us as we come to the end of one year and we look to a new one. Go confidently into what lies ahead because my Father, our Father, is with you. And as you would have heard me say many times, even in this short time, God's presence is not an empty presence. It's an active one. So David gives this counsel to Solomon. Solomon gives this counsel to the people of Israel. A verse that you may know as well where he says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord protects the city or watches over a city, the watchmen watch in vain. So Solomon goes on to testify as well, to say, 
Don't dwell in a place of anxiety because when God is taking care of you, he gives you rest. The same message over and over again, it's, it's, it's words that we know very well. We know those words that say God is the one taking care of us, but we still worry and get anxious, don't we? We are like, we are, you know, there's, what's the program when they say, what's your expert topic? What's that program? Where, mastermind, yeah, and they say, what's your expert topic? I think for many of us, definitely for me as well, what's your expert topic? Oh, worrying. Worrying is my, is my expert topic. Because we do that, don't we? We come to God, we say, oh Lord, here's the thing that I'm worrying about. And we, we put it there, and then in Jesus' name, amen, and then we pick it up, and then we go. We, we do that all the time. We know these truths here. But in here, in here, there's a struggle for that transition to happen. Daniel, when he is struggling, because when the thing is, when God says to us, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. When Jesus says, do not worry, it is because there's a recognition that there is something there that would make us afraid. Otherwise, he would not say, do not be afraid. Like, I'm not just going to go to Lorna right now and say, Lorna, do not be afraid. That might make her afraid because she's been calm all this time. It's only if there was something there that could frighten us, that, would, that someone would say, do not be afraid. Only if there was something there that would make us feel discouraged that someone would say to us, no, do not be discouraged. Daniel finds himself in a place where he's a bit discouraged by what he's hearing, by what he's seeing. And God sends an angel to him and the angel says to him, he says, don't be afraid for you are very precious to God. He says, peace, be encouraged, be strong. He gives him something to focus on, to find encouragement in. You are very precious to God. So don't be afraid. Find encouragement in that. But, and this is what Jesus is saying to us in Matthew 6, when he talks about, will God not care for you? Are you not more important than the birds and the leaves? Are you not more important than the sparrows? Jesus is consistently trying to tell us, take encouragement in the fact that you are very precious to God. I've never seen a worried pigeon before, have you? Never. Or what are those ones that fly down and steal your food either? The seagull. Never seen a worried seagull. Seen nasty ones, but never a worried one. It's like Jesus is saying, these other creations of God, they, they, they almost subconsciously understand that they will be looked after somehow. But God's children who are so precious to him, we worry. And the reason that we worry, I think, is a question of trust. It's a question of trust. 
Because it's so, it's easy to worry, but to trust takes faith. It's easy to be in the middle of a storm and panic, but to be in the middle of a storm and nap, like Jonah did, like Paul did, like our Lord and Savior did, that takes faith. It's easy to, you know, it's easy to stare at the lion and Goliath and just think, I'm done. I can't continue. But to face them with confidence takes faith. It becomes a question of trust. The consistent message of Jesus in Matthew 6 is that you can trust your father. You can trust your father. But that takes faith. Because it's easy for me to say that I trust God. But my blood pressure might say something completely different. I love the words from Psalm 91. When the writer says, he says, This I declare about Yahweh. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. He is my God and I trust him. And all of my heart says, Oh, my God, this is what I want to declare about you every day. When I look at the storms, when I look at what lies ahead, I want to stand confidently and say, he's my God, and I trust him. The scriptures give us a way to build up our faith, the faith that is needed to hold that trust in God is good old Apostle Paul that tells us in Romans that faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Jesus would say, pay attention to how you pay attention. That faith comes based on what we listen, that what we feed ourselves with. That is why the psalmist will often say, if you read the psalm, they would often say, they will often talk about how they are speaking to their soul. Do not be discouraged, my soul. Trust in God. Oh, I will tell my soul about the faithfulness of God. I will speak to my soul about God. I will speak to my soul about the goodness of God. Because faith comes when we consistently pay attention to the truth about Jesus Christ. Who he is for us. Who we are in him. Who we have in him. Because there is so much other stuff that we can listen to. And the more that we listen to the different noises, the more that we find our faith shrinking and our ability to trust a bit shaky. 
But this is one of the reasons why we sing, like at the end of, at the end of this gathering, we will sing those words, what a faithful God have I, or, or great is your faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but when we proclaim those words, when we listen to it, it begins to shift our ability to trust in God again. When we listen to the words that Jesus speaks, whether it's about his presence with us or his love for us or his forgiveness, it builds up our faith and it helps our ability to trust in him. It is not God's desire for us to live anxious and worried lives even in this broken world. He continues to say, I am with you. I am here. Do not be afraid. I remember once when I was in, when I was in secondary school, I said once when I was in secondary school, I remember when I was in secondary school, and there were this, as you would, as you would have it in, in boarding school with boys, bored and nothing to do, you would always have those mischievous ones, bit of a bully, throwing their weight around, and they, there was this boy that looked like Pray. He looked like they could pick on him. So they, they came to him and they were like, you know, doing the thing that boys do. Um, I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, <laughs> and they're picking on this boy and there's another guy there. And this guy is, he's bigger and he's stronger um, than the bullies. And he notices what's going on. And the bullies are saying to this boy, you better run, you better get out of here before we're going to do whatever boys do. And this, this guy, he notices it, and so he walks across. And he says to the boy who's been picked on, he says, stand your ground, don't move. They're not going to do anything to you. And he stood there, and he said, they're not going to do anything to you. The boy who was being picked on, he looks at, the, he looks at his bullies. He looks at this guy who's saying, don't worry, they're not going to do anything to you. And he thinks, nah, I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> and he runs away. And we laugh, but we do this. We do this all the time. The enemy comes, he's snapping, he's like, I'm going to kill you. You're going to, and God says, do not be afraid, I'm with you. And we look at God, and we look at the enemy, and we're like, no, I'm going to cry in the corner. I'm going to cry in the corner. We do that all the time. And the enemy, he loved it. One of the, one of the things that, that happened to us when we were in university in Nigeria, and in your first year, when you did not know who was who, and you, but you knew that in the university there were these cult boys, and you had to be careful, you had to be wary of them because they were very dangerous. And what would happen is some random boys who were not cult boys, who were just silly boys, but they would know that, oh, you don't know. You don't know that I don't have that power. And they would come up to you and they would say, hey, lie down in the gutter. And you'd be like, oh, I better lie down in the gutter because I don't know. And we do that all the time. The enemy does that to us. He, he comes and he, he roars. He roars to unsettle us. Jesus says, do not be afraid. You are very precious to God. 
what we need, what I need, is to see God more and see the mountain less. To pay attention more to the voice of God and less attention to the heaviness of the storm. That's what we all need. Because for those who knew their God, they said the scriptures tell us that those who know their God will do great exploits. And I think the reason is this, because when you know God, you do things with much more confidence because you know who your God is. You're no longer afraid. You're no longer timid. You're no longer shackled by the doubt and the fear because you know this, my God, is God. And we need to rediscover that again. I need to rediscover that again. I know that so, there are a lot of times where I look at what lies ahead and, and leading a church and I think, uh, Jesus, can you come back tomorrow, please? <laughs> that will be fantastic. But then, and this is why some of you would have seen me wear that shirt. That word from that David gives to Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work because the Lord your God is with you. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. And this is what God says to each and every one of us. This is what Jesus says to each and every one of us. Be strong and courageous and go into what lies ahead. Because the Lord your God is with you. He will not forsake you and he will not abandon you. And, and I know I am confident of this. That this is our truth. So my prayer is that as we go into what lies ahead, we go with the confidence that the psalmist had when we say, this, this I declare about my father. This I declare about Jesus. This I declare about the spirit of God that journeys with me. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. He is our God. And we trust him. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray. Jesus, you have given us no reason to doubt you. But sometimes the storms and the waves can seem so heavy. So scary. Teach us, Lord, how to keep our eyes on you. Teach us, Lord, how to listen to you. Teach us, Lord, how to put our trust in you. We know that as we go into a new year, you who have so faithfully cared for us in all the years that have existed before, will faithfully care for us again. You are the God who is always doing something new. You are God who says, forget about the former things. I'm doing something new. Can you not perceive it? 
Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see your presence and your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We finish our time together by...